Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. got um hot salty water to gurgle i'll get myself a nice lemon and ginger tea (laughs) (laughs) hello welcome to games on film the podcast that celebrates video game movies and today we've got a very special film and or the usual shite we've got (laughs) max Payne from 2008 um harder cut is the one i'm looking at max Payne, harder cuts but uh, also available on disney plus is that what you watched on rory yes i watched the softer cut on disney plus the mickey mouse approved edition of max Payne. oh i like the idea of like the goof troop and mickey mouse i was gonna say mindy mouse what's the female mouse <laughs> mini mindy. <laughs> mindy mouse Mindy, Mindy is Minnie's cousin and they're all gathered around asking for like a cut to be made a little bit of nipple to be removed <laughs> all that stuff um, yeah as far as I can tell I think we worked out that the harder cut of Max Payne just includes a little bit of extra blood splatter and I have to admit all the blood splatter looked crap and I think probably the superior version is still the softer cut so that's the one to watch if you want to pause this podcast and go watch it now. <laughs> we'll be doing spoilers in a bit with a bit of um of warning, but let's have a bit of a chat about the the game itself or the franchise. You're you're playing that at the moment, aren't you? The first game. Yeah, so the Matt's Pain games, um it's not that they passed me by necessarily, but um I didn't really have the consoles that would play them at the time or indeed the PC. Um, it came out on the PC originally in 2001, so it's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. But uh, I've decided to actually pick it up and play it um, uh, recently. This week, I have been mostly playing Matt's Payne. Are, are you are you starting to inhabit the character? Are you sort of gravelly asking your wife for like the milk and seeing? Valkyrie monsters? <laughs> Question mark. Uh, depends what kind of milk I'm drinking. Um, <laughs> well, so the first two games were um, developed by Remedy Entertainment, who then went on to make the lights of Alan Wake, which I'm actually playing the remastered version of as we speak, because I've never played that before. And it's um, one of my wife's uh, favorite games of all time. Um, and they also made Quantum Break, and control and i think a lot of their games very much if not necessarily play up the kind of cinematic approach they uh do play into i think very sort of stylized in terms of the story um as much as the gameplay so either very sort of cinematic or even televisual alan wake is very much 
inspired by Twin Peaks, but also um, the writings of Stephen King, etc. And the, um, I don't know, I think it was maybe released episodically. I think Quantum Break is definitely their kind of most, uh, their biggest sort of like attempt to do something in a, in a um, sort of cinematic style in that it was gameplay, but then there was live action elements with real actors kind of doing the story in between your kind of gameplay uh, bits and pieces. Um, the third game was released by Rockstar and, and developed by Rockstar. Indeed, the, all uh, three games were uh, released by Rockstar. But also, I think the first game was produced by 3D Realms, who made Duke Nukem. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to a little bit more in terms of, I'd say, the style. I think the fact that Rockstar and 3D Realms are involved gives you a kind of indication, I think, of the tone. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you get the kind of impression from the outside in that these Max Payne games are very, like, gritty and very, like, you know, sort of hard-boiled, detective noir um, sort of stories. There's just not enough games featuring angry white men um, <laughs> solving their problems with excessive violence. So um, I'm glad this is another one to add to that bloody pile. But what what I'd, I'd say in the sort of, like, defense of the tone is actually... I think it's very self-knowing. It's very self-aware, mm-hmm. and uh, as a result, I think like while it is dealing with like gritty subject matter, it's all kind of done pretty tongue-in-cheek. I'd say it's a little bit like Sin City, but I think maybe even kind of like goofier. I think Sin City is like thinks it's really cool, and I'm, and I don't doubt that you know the makers of Max Payne also think it's really cool. But I think also the fact that like Max Payne's face is that of Sam Blake, who is the, uh, from Remedy Entertainment. And he's kind of like the face of Remedy and also the face of Max Payne, literally. And he's got this kind of like real arch, like sort of like his eyebrow raised and this real kind of like mm. smirky grimace. And it's like this kind of matter of like humor um, that he like makes the Max Payne face like uh, <laughs> the whole time. But also like uh, when you're kind of going around these like abandoned tenement blocks filled with junkies and thugs and gangsters like all the gangsters sound really like over the top wise guy like sopranos pastiche and you can like overhear their chatter and they're kind of like accidentally blowing themselves up by cutting the wrong bomb wire and you know they're kind of talking panicky about pain and like you know oh he's gonna come for us oh no geez we gotta get out of here and all this kind of stuff so (laughs) Uh, there's one bit which I've only played like the first chapter of it so far, but there's one bit where you kind of stumble across this thug and he's watching this very like English period drama on TV called Lords and Ladies, where it's like this Lord and Lady talking back and forth to each other, confessing their love. It's sort of like, my Lord, I must say something. My Lady, you can tell me anything, but my Lord, it's a secret. And all this kind of like really <laughs> like goofy um, stuff. So actually... I think tone-wise, as much as it has this like gritty, hard-boiled voiceover and it's like all the story is told through comic book panels as well. And so it's like very, very ripe dialogue. Um, But I think it is more a pastiche than it is like, at least the first game anyway, than something to take sort of really super duper seriously. I'm really glad to hear that 
well, the game sounds a lot of fun, I have to say, and the humour sounds a lot of fun because without wanting to show my hand too much, I, I don't think there's a single joke in this film that we're about to discuss. I, I'm struggling to think of any attempt. And when I'm trying to think of the films, it's sort of aping. I'm trying to think how it's trying to recreate the gritty world of Seven, like is the, is the, is the bar to reach when it comes to like gritty detective stuff that's got some really hilarious stuff in there especially like the kind of things like brad pitt comes out with in that film so yeah it seems like at least one thing is missing from the film (laughs) at least one on today's top story the valkyrie crisis worsens with the murder of dea special agent alex balder special agent balder had been shot repeatedly from a point-blank range A suspect was seen leaving the site only moments after the shots had been fired, and the NYPD is currently in pursuit of Max Payne, a repeated felon believed to be armed and extremely dangerous. A winter storm warning is in effect in the whole tri-state area, as both freezing rain and heavy snowfall continue. Try to go public with this. We will deny any knowledge. Um, but what I will say actually is is also in terms of the gameplay, um, I, I haven't gotten you know super far maybe necessarily in the game, but it is pretty repetitive. It is like you burst into a room, you shoot a bunch of thugs. And then you burst into another room and shoot a bunch of thugs. Um, and there's also some like unforgivably tricky platformy style uh, segments, which I don't really like in mainly sort of shooting games, particularly because the Xbox controller I'm using to play is a bit janky when it comes to the directional um, uh, stick and stuff. Um, but the, I guess the other sort of key, I don't know about legacy, but what sticks in people's minds about Max Payne is bullet time. And obviously with the matrix, which came out two years before this game and this game was being sort of like developed sort of, I guess, concurrently um, at the time of the matrix release. Um, But in the instruction booklet, it says bullet time trademark. So I do wonder Mm -hmm. whether like this game coined or at least trademarked the phrase bullet time i'm sure that phrase was used when they were talking about the matrix you know in behind the scenes footage and the epk stuff but um yeah i think though it's more influenced perhaps by john woo movies in hong kong action cinema i I found it quite interesting how i think he's famously depicted with two handguns and again i'm trying to think if he has two handguns at any point during the film (laughs) but you know, I think maybe the John Woo slow mo gunfighting with 
pigeons and shite uh, was perhaps given a westernized name when the Matrix came out. And I think just Max Payne used that. Though, yeah, yeah. I don't know where the trademark of Bullet Time comes in. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe, then... maybe that's why the Matrix Reservations has taken so long to get to the screen because the Bullet Time trademark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they, they do, I think the developers have said that that was what was in their minds um, from the start rather than the Matrix. There is a point at which Max Payne says that he has to make like Chow Yun fat and get out of there. Um, okay. And of course, you know, there was a hard boiled sequel in video game form in, in um, Stranglehold which uh, was one of the early Xbox 360 yeah. titles. I got that, played it. It was not as cool as what I imagine being like Chow Young-Fat actually is. <laughs> um, it's funny, though, because we'll, I guess we'll talk about slow-mo and its uses in um, later on. But I think what's one, one thing we tend to forget about slow motion in video games is that it's you that is used for a different reason than in film. Because in slow motion effects is often used to give you more time to plan your moves and i think in film it is used to sort of take in the hyper detail and that works for something which looks as visually resplendent as the matrix does it work in max Payne? we'll find out i guess i think you can guess how, I, <laughs> how i'm feeling um yes anything else more about the the game before we dive into Max Payne's world? Well, I'll just talk a little bit about how the film came about in the sense that the actual rights to the film were bought while the game was still in development. The producer sort of saw early footage, I think, at E3. Um, this is based on an interview um, with the producer, Scott Fay in uh, the Luke Owen book, Lights, Camera, Game Over, How Video Game Movies Get Made, which we've mentioned and had Luke Owen on the podcast before to talk about it. Um, but basically, it seems like from, you know, there was a lot of time that this film was in development and no one was very interested in making it until the game came out and was advertised everywhere. And then all of a sudden studios were like, oh, okay, actually, no, let's, let's do this. Um, but uh, Rockstar... Uh, who were uh, the publishers didn't want to have anything to do with it. They didn't want the film to be made. They were very protective of their IPs, but because the rights had been bought before they came on board, um, they couldn't really do anything about it. But as a result, they were uncooperative. Um, and one other issue that might have compromised the film is that the uh, first time writer of the screenplay, um, a person called Bo Thorne, they were, it was their first kind of like Hollywood script and with the impending writer's strike, which was uh, coming up at the time of production, this film was sort of fast-tracked into production uh, to sort of offset and anticipate what might happen. And then the writer himself was then unable to be on the set for any kind of rewrites which came about, which I don't think explains everything, but it's just something to bear in mind, I suppose, when um, considering the, the end result. It might they could be have one just copied. They could have just copy pasted the scripts from the game, though. Hmm. Would, why? Why not? <laughs> I don't see the problem. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, the film is directed by John Moore, um, who also did beforehand behind enemy lines and Flight of the Phoenix, and then subsequently from this film would direct a Good Day to Die Hard, 
the uh, as it stands last Die Hard movie, um, not including any attempts. Bruce Willis has maybe resurrected kind of the character in commercials, possibly. <laughs> oh, but they. I mean, again, I was just I was looking at the filmmakers filmography thinking oh we're going to talk about bruce willis again because <laughs> we do that sometimes on the podcast and they are they keep threatening to make an, another one where there's like a young john mcclain so this the story of the man who has one bad day and steps up to the plate has now had like an entire it's like james bond's life's style before he went to that christmas party in 88 or whenever that film was made it could just be him doing regular police duties oh if only paperwork and 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 beating people up <laughs> I don't know. it's all in the job there's an army of bodies under this river criminals reaching up to welcome me as one of their own it was an easy mistake to make devil is building his army. Max Payne is looking for something that God wants to stay hidden. And that's what makes him more dangerous. Remember when you were a kid and you'd hold your breath when you run past the gravy hunt? Leave that man alone. When the people a man needs get taken away from him, you can't ever go back to who you were before. got a video box um you've got a blu-ray and i've got a dvd i think i think you're going to read the box and i'm going to be reading my dvd and i want to see if the blu-ray uh people got extra letters and sentences <laughs> everyone grab your matt's Payne dvd or blu-ray box and read along mm. with me yeah wait a minute. i've got we've got a um i mean we what we did um what did we do? Silent Hill last time. And I think these films are around about the same era because I, I got an advert for Blu-rays in my in my DVD. Um, yeah, so we're tackling the era of reality being peeled away to reveal some nightmarish vision films from 2000s <laughs> genre. <laughs> so the uh, box reads, Hell Bent on Revenge. Maverick cop Max Payne, Mark Wahlberg, is determined to track down those responsible for the brutal murder of his family and partner. But, as the mystery deepens, Max is forced to battle enemies beyond the natural world and face an unthinkable betrayal that will drive him to the edge of his own sanity. Oh my god, is that everything? I've got, I've got a bit more. Oh Ooh. wow. Wow, I've got the hard to cut. <laughs> I've got the harder cut, but I just, oh. I've got, I think the reason why it's a smaller synopsis is because on Blu-ray, it's got extra, it's got maximum action on Blu-ray and it has oh. little bits and pieces um, showing you extras that you can have only on the Blu-ray, I guess. I guess so. So for, you can't get these extras, let's give us a little bit more text. <laughs> Um, I, it's not much more. It just says Mark Wahlberg delivers an explosive performance in this action-packed thriller based on the legendary hard-hitting video game. Oh, wow. See, because I thought my box it didn't mention that it was a video game. And I thought, wow, a rare video game movie which does not mention its origins oh, no. on the box. But lo and behold, 
It's on the yeah. DVD. It also says that Max Payne is a maverick cop with little regard for the rules and nothing to lose. Um, and then it sort of carries on much like what you said. It doesn't mention that his partner also gets killed. So I guess your box contains a spoiler because that happens during the film, doesn't it? So <laughs> I guess I any know. synopsis will involve stuff which happens during the film. So technically all <laughs> synopses are spoilers. Well, I would if I released the film, I would have nothing on the back and it would completely infuriate people. It might just have like take a chance. Pussy. There's like a there's like a running <laughs> there's like a running joke Scott Alterman does in comedy Bang Bang where he kind of says like all films should not have titles because the titles are a spoiler. <laughs> and songs I mean, should I'd not have titles be... as well because they're a spoiler too. Well speaking of the title Max Payne, Maximilian Payne to his friends, or perhaps he was christened Maximum, and he's like, early my mum calls me Maximum, you can call me Max Payne. I mean, come on. Like, at no, at no point, there's one point when um, somebody says, who's that? And they go, Max Payne. And I, he takes a, takes a deep breath. And I thought he was going to say, what the actual fuck? Is that <laughs> You're telling me this man's called Max Payne? And no, he just says, oh, it's Max Payne. I think it's funny that like Mark Wahlberg, when he signed on, like he liked the script. He thought it was awesome. But he didn't know it was based on a video game until like, not after, like, you know, after he read the script and stuff. But like he didn't realize it was based on a video game at time of writing. But also like someone sent him a script which said Matt's pain, <laughs> and he I was know. like, "Oh, cool, cool, cool name for a character, huh?" <laughs> he has notes about the name. He wanted he wanted to make it even more hardcore. We said, "No, no, we need to keep it Max Payne." Why? You're shitting me. It's a game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was reading. I think in Wikipedia it mentions that he never played the game, and then it says here Mila Kunis. Um, she had played the video game, but did not progress very far into it. She didn't doesn't say why. Is she a bad gamer, or did she think it was a piece of shit? Um, Bo Bridges, unsurprisingly, uh, had never heard of the game, <laughs> but his children were excited to learn about his role. Oh, it's like Bob Hoskins and Mario again, doing well, it for the kids. Always a good decision. Well, we know Bo Bridges is really good at playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES because we saw him do that in The Wizard, so... <laughs> yeah, he um, hasn't... Yeah, I think maybe his interest in video games ended with The Wizard, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. And then he turns to his agent on set of Max Payne, You lied to me! <laughs> 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 no, I won't wear these dungarees. <laughs> um... <laughs> That's an odd thing to reference. Don't... Anyway, <clears throat> Max Payne. So, like what you were saying um, earlier about the humour of the game, I feel was entirely missing from this film. Was there any jokes, legit? Because, like, like when your character's called Max Payne, at the very least, you could have a joke on that thing. That would be the most obvious joke to do, but they don't even do that. Yeah, I'm sure there is some quip somewhere, but damned if I'm going to recall what. And I guess as we're talking about Max Payne, like Mark Wahlberg himself, I've noticed that on all his 
film posters, he's pulling the exact same expression. <laughs> um, I think he's just been... I can't tell if it's a film or a TV show, but is it Infinity on Amazon or Apple I think it's called Infinite, and I think it's a film, and I think he's very annoyed it got released on Amazon Prime. Well, I mean, I kind of agree with him because, you know, I'm seeing loads of films getting released kind of on a conveyor belt, and I have saw a couple of great films on... You know, streaming originals on netflix and the like last year but they're impossible to find now even though they existed so i I kind of understand that but yeah maybe people would rush to see them mark if you were smiling on the poster once in a while or just doing any other expression he's always looking over his shoulder at something happening like in the happening (laughs) but well it's Uh, interesting you mentioned that just like that came out the same year as max Payne, and so this mm -hmm. is like a kind of one-two punch following his like being Oscar nominated for the departed and it must have like mm-hmm. really sucked for him like <laughs> it's just like oh wow like a minister Scorsese movie oh wow i've got an Oscar nomination uh oh wow now i'm gonna star in some like big movies as the leading man and then it's just like oh shit <laughs> i know and i don't want i don't want to imply that i don't think he's a good actor because i think he's great in is he in like three kings yeah yeah he's great in three kings and he is good when he's used well but i guess oh just can i stop for a moment there's a banging happening in the background oh no fireworks yes. sorry <laughs> we, I... we, we're recording on bonfire nights ladies and gentlemen so um it's not a, a slow-mo gunfight happening in the living room where <laughs> it lives um but just going back to what i was saying um i wonder if these actors got any direction at all i kind of get the impression that they just every day they would arrive on set just discuss the blocking and then just get to the end of the day as quickly as possible (laughs) um because you know i do think mark Wahlberg can act and but (sighs) he just seemed really baby-faced he didn't seem like the grim and gritty character he's meant to portray he seemed just like a bit of a mopey asshole yeah he he didn't seem like i mean i think it's okay casting in terms of the sort of lightness because matt's Payne's got like a weird face like expression like in the games whatever um I, so i don't mind that and i think like when he sort of starts the film and he is doing that kind of voiceover which we only hear at the start and the end whereas in that the game confusing. you hear it the whole time yeah. And you're just trying to think, yeah, I can see him having a bit of a grumpy, gritty voice. But when he's actually doing his stuff in the film, he looks just more like a kind of, you know, mopey punk than like a kind of haunted, mm. um, you know, cop hell bent on revenge, as the, as the bot says. I know it's not usually good advice to have narrator. I think it's one of those. I think it's one of it's one of those rules which are there to be broken when it comes to narration. I think a lot of those old school Hollywood writers would be like, "Show don't tell." Um, but if you're sort of in being influenced by noir, you kind of need that voiceover. Yeah, and and there's just I think I so I watched it this morning. I messaged you yesterday because I was feeling a bit fed up, and I I, I texted you to say I don't want to look at Mark Wahlberg's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I watched it first thing this morning, and I was making notes. Eleven minutes in, twenty two minutes in, nothing had actually 
kind of happened. And I messaged you to say, is, is this supposed to be like an action film? I got the kind of Jeff Goldblum and Jurassic Park saying, um, is, is there going to be any uh, <laughs> uh, action in this uh, action movie? Now, it does come, but like an hour in is when things start to happen. Like, I mean, action starts to happen. And, and there's nothing wrong with a slow burn, but I feel that if we had some narration to explain his inner thoughts, we would be with him a little bit more. Yeah, would you be his detective on the case? He's he's against the system. It's against him. He's been demoted to is it cold cases, and he's he's hell bent on finding out what happened to his wife. Um, I mean, it's interesting to note that the um, one of the complaints the game makers had about this film is that in the game it's revealed right at the front that his wife and child gets killed. And that's what set him on his sort of dark path. But here it's kind of kept a mystery for a while. So you do, as you say, have him just swanning around, being a bit of a punk, just doing sweet FA for such a long time in this film. And I, th- I think, again, like the, I agree what you say, like narration needs to be delicately handled in, in films. But I think, yeah, if, if, if it's all trying to sort of capture the look and the feel of the game's then like lean into it and just like roll with the narration. Like the actual voice actor for Max Payne, he does appear in this movie in a cameo as like the FBI agent who sort of like pops up very briefly uh, towards the yeah, end. And I think I read the whole... that. Didn't and I... remember him in the film. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the you know I, I think because the game is like just endless sort of narration like the whole time. It's one of those things where it's just like it's that's a very easy thing to transplant into the movie and like instantly make it have the feel of the games like you can change as much as you like but that's just like a very easy way to like for like the whole thing and i think the other sort of key difference is that in the game you're an undercover cop all right and you get sort of like framed for sort of a murder and then it's sort of like the mob is like on your tail and there's like a mob war happening at the same time. So you're kind of like, there's these, these extra layers of chaos, which gives you this kind of like feeling like everyone is out to get me. So like the cops are after you, different gangs are after you. There's like all these different, like it does feel more like a war zone. And, you know, right from the start, like you're, you know, within moments flying through the air and shooting people in slow motion with guns. And yeah, like you say, it takes like a full hour before there's like an actual gunfight. And you can say, yeah, it's meant to be more like a psychological detective crime thriller up until that point. It's not an action movie, but you know, you're not fooling anyone if you're delivering such weak sort of thrills beforehand. I've not played the games, but you tell me Max Payne, I have him like horizontal flying through the air with two guns and bullet time. And so, you know, yeah. I mean, it's so funny you mentioned, sorry, the game. So you say the game is like, it sounds a lot like The Departed, the game. And I can imagine Mark Borber getting the script and be like, oh, I've just done that. Can you rip out everything and make it stupid? (laughs) Yeah. And I I think the sort of closest thing you get to bullet time is like a moment when Matt's pain very slowly falls backwards while 
shooting a shotgun and that's mm-hmm. like meant to be this like amazing wow what a stunning slow-mo sequence but it kind of looks like he sort of slipped on a banana peel and it's just like <laughs> i was actually meant to shoot someone in front of him but his shotgun is like going off behind him instead and it's just like oh at least i iced that guy that's cool it's um yeah and so i alluded to this earlier like in the games bullet time has a has more has kind of like a a game purpose it's like a it's a a control feature Mm. um here it serves no purpose and there's not even anything particularly interesting to look at um i'm trying to i found a bit of trivia where i think the camera they used to that was so delicate that you weren't allowed to be even near it when they're doing the shots <laughs> i like how it's like all this effort and you know i think we've said this before we'll say it again if we if we don't like a movie where we don't i'm not throwing any shade at the makers really because they, they've put a lot of blood sweat and tears into this easy You just move in? So we're somewhere. What's going on in that room back there? Hey. Who was the guy with the tattoos on his face? What was her name? What are you talking about? Who? The girl from the boring story you want to tell me. The one that ends with you living here. Very sad. I tell you what. Call me by her name. Like this, you can make love to her just like she never left you. Oh, Max. Excuse me? I said, get out now. You're kicking me out of your bed? Yeah, get your shit and get out. (laughs) So, I mean, I think I've revealed my hand. I didn't think much of this film, but if we want to look at any positives, we might need to go into spoilers. Before we do, though, do you have any thoughts for the the non-spoiler discussion? I think it's just what I would say is that this film completely passed me by. Like I I I got to the end and I was like, is is that it? Like where where is the movie? And it might have been the cocktail I was drinking. <laughs> but wow. but I I I just. It felt like the whole thing felt like a pre-credit sequence. It just, it just like, I think the way it's like constructed, like scene to scene, fine. Okay, I get it. But the way it's all just like strung together, it just felt so like ephemeral. It was, it was I, I don't want to say superficial, but it was more like superfluous. It just like, you know, the, this Max Payne movie is, is, is barely worth the bandwidth that I kind of like used to watch it. I, it's I wasn't bored. I don't think it's like actively bad. 
because we've done bad movies and we've done boring movies on this podcast, but it was just so kind of like in one ear out the other or in one eye out the other. I don't know. It was just like, it was, it might as well have been like a PowerPoint presentation about the movie than like an actual viewing experience. It was just a weird sensation. It might have been because I was like high on Valkyr or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, what's um, that? What's yeah. that you're pouring into my drink? <laughs> this like, oh my god, the sky's on fire! Uh, uh, it's a uh, blue curacao, I think. <laughs> um, it's a raspberry slushy, actually. <laughs> oh, Mister Slush Puppy! Mm. Turns I mean, out you're, you're the uh, at... drug peddler. I mean, I wrote here if, and it is a copy of a copy of a copy because, as is always the case with video games based, influenced by Hollywood, you. You've got this game very much based on like Hong Kong action cinema, and then you've got a film based on that game, and you've got to step up to the plate and make an experience as good as Hong Kong uh, cinema, and this ain't that. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, maybe give it a miss, but if you want to know a bit more about why we feel that way, let's let's dip our toe into spoilers now. I don't know how to do mm. a um. A segue, if you've noticed. <laughs> um, I mean, as is often the case, these films they like to start in. in I'm trying to say it again in in media res in meta res, like yeah, in in media res, media res again for no fucking reason. I actually, the game starts. The game starts at the end, I believe. Sort of, yeah. So, so it's not out of the realm of it was, yeah. There is a kind of parallel there, but we really are under we're under the ice. He's been he's there under the ice, and he's doing a little monologue to himself. <laughs> Did you write it down at all? He says, "I don't believe in heaven. I believe in pain, fear, death." Mm-hmm. Not a very good Mark Wahlberg impression. Sorry. No, I was trying to work out who that was. <laughs> I was it's Sounded... just it's just me but like using the back of my throat. <laughs> mhm. If I want to do Mark Wahlberg it'd be like, "Eh, ah, get the car." Oh, well, well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, just you, miss... want to, you you want to talk to me like that? You want you want to talk to me like that? <laughs> I know it's pretty divisive. I do enjoy at least the first Ted. I've not seen the second Ted movie, and they do take a lot of piss out of the Boston accent, and it's a very fun accent to take the piss out of. And the Mark um, Wahlberg, Mila Kunis joint reunited. Mm, indeed. Um, he does, so he does, we find out later that he believes in angels, which is nice. <laughs> I mean, I know we're skipping right to the end, but hey, we're at the end anyway. Like, He's in the, in the final act of the film. He's often getting visited by his dead wife, at, and usually when he himself is dying, and she's like, "Not yet." And so, he, and I just envisage her saying, like, five minutes later, "Okay, now." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I guess we're well, speaking of angels. I guess one of the big differences between the film and the game. I believe is that they very much literalize the ideas of Valkyries. So it's all revolving around this drug, which was developed. We did learn is developed by the military. The drug is used to create super soldiers and 
and it's been designed by this corporation called Aseer. And Aseer found out that this drug um, really only had a 1% success rate. It turns 1% of the users into fear-free... they feel invincible, but they're not. But they're fear-free uh, super soldiers, and everyone else goes a bit doolally and starts seeing these uh, Valkyrie winged demons. Now, I think in the game, I've not played it, but I read that we don't actually see winged demon type things. But here, a good portion of the film, you're wondering. Like, are people being stalked by like Gary Oldman's Dracula, like shadows flying all over the walls, and then them being attacked by shadows, and then we occasionally see glimpses of the monsters. Again, again, it gives me this vibe of the Keanu Reeves uh, Constantine. Mm-hmm. Constantine. Vivi's just ugly early 2000s. I know this is like 2008, but these ugly sort of CGI cityscapes and, you know, whenever I look at bad CAGI, I always like to say, oh, just imagine if, like, in real life, you saw a poorly rendered demon coming at you. You'd be like, what the hell? Why Why is the lighting not matching? Ah! <laughs> um, but I guess the fact that these are hallucinations doesn't matter whether they look like they're there or not. It would exactly. still be scary. Yes, there's a story purpose for the rushed CGI. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the games, there, there isn't like a kind of literal embodiment. You do have like nightmares and freaky stuff happens, but it's not like this kind of... And I, I think the, the problem is, is that like, it's, it's very confused. Like I can see that these are sort of just hallucinations, but the film really, really wants you to believe in them as much as possible. Like the way they treat them is it as it is as if the veil has been lifted and hell is on earth mm. when people take this Valkyrie drug. And the fact that the back of the bot says Max is forced to battle enemies beyond the natural world makes mm. you think there's like the supernatural element to it, which the film doesn't like, I, I don't think the film wants you to believe that this is real, but it also like, doesn't not want you to believe it's not real. I was fully expecting him to have a, a gun Carter fight with a demon at the end of this film. <laughs> but it, it doesn't happen. We see a lot of demon action because the last act he's high on, uh, the drug, which is called... Valkyr. Valkyr. I mean, I've written so many notes, but the, these words are all over the place. <laughs> Valkyr um, is basically Red Bull because it gives you wings. <laughs> oh, blimey. I love that idea. <laughs> Sponsored by... They're going to sponsor... Valkyr is going to be the sponsor of the next boxcar derby. <laughs> um... I've lost my train of thought a bit. I mean, here's the thing. I, Although it's cliche as fuck uh, to have like, oh, a, evil co- a company has a secret military contract to create super soldiers and now they're trying to cover it up. When the penny drops, I actually did enjoy this aspect. And um, we find out that Max's wife worked for this company and had uncovered something in the company which... Um, will expose what they're doing and i kind of liked how 
what he thought was like i mean he starts to film thinking his wife died by just druggies and then he realizes it's this massive governmental conspiracy i you know that's something that's that that means there's there's some sort of stakes i suppose <laughs> i don't know I, I i dug that i guess i think it's just the idea of people being used and people's lives being destroyed by like the the government or the military and, and them trying to get away with it that stuff i kind of jam with yeah and the, the producer uh scott fay like he did say that that was like the thing he wanted to focus on most on the movie was this sort of the angle where it's about sort of corporate greed um but yeah a lot of that stuff is there but then a lot of it just gets like lost in the mix and i i get it's meant to be like a kind of mystery being revealed but it's also like very distracting when there's like winged beasts like flapping around hellscapes every now and then yeah like i mean again like all those elements are in the game and um the fact that uh, for instance this um lupino character who's uh this sort of mysterious tattooed drug dealer dude who basically spends the first half of the film like glowering and observing everything that's happening on rooftops um but he's the one who's uh was a former marine and he is one of the one percenters in the sense that he's can uh he binds well with the Valkyr drug and mm-hmm. he has like no fear and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. he's, he's in the game and um, he's very much like into sort of like occult imagery and this Ragnarok club is there and he's got like just a sort of pentagram and blood on the floor and all this kind of stuff. So the, the elements are there uh, directly sort of taken from the game but um, the realization of it is is a choice, but it's maybe a bit of a kind of confused one. Sounds like they wanted to just have the cake and eat it. They it wouldn't be enough just to talk about the hallucinations. I don't know. It, yeah. It's a choice. But what I, what I, as we say. But what I did, there's like one scene, and um, I really hope there's the clip. <laughs> but there's one scene where um, they go into the tattoo parlor. And it's like maybe the best performance in the whole film. Oh my like, god, yes! The tattoo artist has like the most beautiful, deep voice, and you just like that's that's a guy who you want to tell you that's that's the kind of guy who you want to explain like Norse mythology through tattoos to you. He's a tattoo artist, stroke historian, and <laughs> yeah, wow, what a great voice! What a great voice! But no, no other performance really compares, unfortunately. <laughs> Can I help you with something? Yeah. I wanted to get this tattoo. You in the Marine Corps? This one. What's it mean? That's a Norse Valkyrie. Vikings used to wear them for protection. Valkyries fly over the battlefield, picking out the righteous dead. They reward the people who draw first blood. A soldier's angel. In Norse mythology, the only way you get to go to heaven is to die in violence. You die in your sleep, you go to hell. Protection from what? Huh? What do you mean, huh? You said people get the tattoo as protection. What are they afraid of? I mean, this bald guy, um, 
what was his called again? That Lupino. Be, Lupino. Yeah, he's positioned as the big bad. Um, like the scenes when he's trying to give his acolytes the drug. It's so funny though. You get all these sort of half naked, bald, muscly men gathered around, and I bet they're all telling themselves, oh, "This isn't gay doing this, is it? It's not, you know, there's all that real no homo energy." Um, but he gives the drug to his uh, acolytes, and they don't react well, and it's really just him on his own. But then he gets shot dead mid mid fight with Max by. This guy who just shows up halfway through the film called um, BB. Now, I, I wrote this down as B-I-B-I, as in BB, <laughs> but no, it's B.B, which Bo is Bridges. paid by Bo Bridges, exactly. Um, he's sort of like the security guard who works at the um, big conglomerate company, but he used to be a partner, I think, for He was Max. Max's dad's partner, so he's a former cop. And it's all kind of like very, you know, it's only kind of like mentioned in passing. But yeah, there's like this real tight relationship between him and Max. And it's, you just have to like infer it along the way. Yeah. I mean, when he first shows up, he's he's basically the American version of Basil Exposition. And I was just trying to think, he's called Hank, what's happening? <laughs> and he's just by the bed because Max has woken up um, after being attacked, I think, by the bald evil guy um but like when when he ends up shooting shooting what we think is the villain um i'm like oh i guess he's the he's the he's the main villain then for no reason <laughs> <laughs> it's like don't think it's set up at all he's just he's just one of those guys oh I, he's a more too recognizable face for such a minor sort of little league character but what I don't get, so like, so this, you know, the turncoat and sort of like BB is meant to be like a good guy, an ally to Mats. And then it's revealed that it was actually BB who killed Mats's wife because we do a little flashback <laughs> and there's like a hilarious bit where like Bo Bridges's face is like caught in the mirror of their child's um, mobile over their He's cot. reflected in the yeah. mirrored mobile. And it's just like this kind of like, oop, wasn't me, kind of like screen grab. It's um, it's meant to be chilling, but it's actually really r- ridiculous. And the, the point of view of that scene is Mark Max Payne's flashback. So did he imagine Bo Bridges's face in there and then zoom in in his mental image i don't know <laughs> like like in blade runner he's he's got the whole like examine the photographs but exactly. he can go back and examine his memory just just staring at a cot in the corner of the room <laughs> i went to the park today and the only benches available were in the playground and i wondered if it was weird if it was just me on my own sitting on the one bench i could find it was in an empty playground but i thought best not to i just <laughs> thought no just avoid that and completely please and but yeah, you'll sit there and uh, staring at this empty playground, and then all of a sudden you hear the echoing of child's laughter, and then you have a flashback in black and white to some horrific incident mm. uh, where your son was shot by Nicolas Cage in Face Off. I haven't told my wife about my previous life as a <laughs> you know DEA agent and how it all fell apart and I had to move to England and adopt this accent. But I'll, <laughs> I'll tell her. I mean, I'll get her to listen to this episode anniversary present honey <laughs> um but yeah so like 
What I don't get is that, so BB shoots Lupino, saves Matt's life, and then takes him to the dock to tell Dump him... him the first act. Yeah, to tell him that he was responsible for his wife's death and then, like, dump him into the icy river. But it's also like, why save him? Why not let Lupino kill him? Why save him to then drown him? If I was being generous, I would say that... I mean, BB's... What BB is doing, he is now using the drug as a designer drug and he's just he's just he's a drug dealer he's selling the drugs to people and one of the drugs he'd be selling it to is lupino and maybe lupino's become a bit of a um liability uh, liability that's the one and but yeah i don't think the film actually supports that at all it's just to give us a bit of a bit of extra drama and exposition and let him have his big speech and yeah I guess so. But yeah, I'll just, um, if we kind of like skip back to like the preceding hour where nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I that just, bit. We haven't, we haven't talked about that bit yet. Just, yeah, I'd rather like, like the finale is where like the action's at, but we should probably just like, just mention like a few other sort of key players because they sort of appear and don't do anything, but it's worth just like highlighting. We mentioned Mila Kunis. And she is the uh, Mila Kunis and Olga Kurilenko mm. from Hitman fame. Another thankless 20th Century Fox video game movie action oh, no. film. Poor Olga. Poor Olga. But at least she gets to speak Russian of this and Mila Kunis can also speak Russian. So yes, so good for them. Good for them and their language. Um... But yeah, Olga Kirilenko plays this character, Natasha, who um, Max takes home after, because Max is basically trying to shake down people to get some more clues, because there's all these dead ends in terms of the junkies that killed his wife. He believes there's like other culprits still out there. He's, he's, he's basically searching the entire city's junkies for uh, innocent a, an honest one who will say, yes, I did kill your wife. <laughs> <laughs> did you kill my wife? Did you kill my wife? Did you kill my yeah. wife? Did you he kill seems my wife? to travel as from New York to Toronto. Because <laughs> even though I had no idea where this is filmed, I'm like, this, this looks like Toronto. I've never been to Toronto, but I can tell when Toronto is trying to be New York. And thus it was. Um, but uh, anyway, like, Basically, the next morning, Natasha's chopped up body is found in the streets and she's got Max's wallet because I think she stole it. So basically, he's been paid for going on a kind of like machete massacre for some reason. I like the idea of a cop picking up her bloody wallet and it's like, oh my God, what they did to her face. She looks nothing (laughs) like him. He looks nothing like him. (laughs) Um, Oh, it's hideous. But then his old partner, who has been working his dead wife's case, uh, this guy called Alex, who's played by Donald Logue, who we will see as Chief Irons in forthcoming mm-hmm. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. I mean, I reckoned, I recognised him from Gotham, 
and like he just plays cops <laughs> and like it really helped how they were driving around in the cop car with like the red flashing light inside it's like where have i seen this guy driving a cop car before and being a cop Maybe he just like, you know, he's got like a desk drawer filled with badges of all his different cops and from all his different Maybe. movies. Just I mean, like in our, last, to the broom. in our last episode, I couldn't recognize Carrie Ann Moss because she's usually in black trench coats. And in Silent Hill, she was in like a white sort of dress with white hair. But here, just um, just being a cop again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then Alex, he stumbles onto the link a uh, potential link between everything that's happening. And it all seems to just pain, uh, all seems to just like focus on the fact that everyone's just got like wing tattoos, which is maybe like, I'd say after like bad translated, like Chinese characters or mm. like Celtic ribbons, maybe like it's definitely top the five most common tattoo sort of <laughs> concepts, maybe a dragon number four. And I know, I mean, according to Wikipedia, they go to Natasha's particular tattoo artist. But I got I when I was watching it, it just seemed like they went to just the first tattoo artist they found, and he had like the most impossible amount of knowledge about who got tattoos <laughs> and their history. Yeah, um, I mean, then... at least it was at least it was something kind of sinister. It could have been, you know, Homer Simpson. <laughs> looking around for a Homer Simpson tattoo. Um, mm. But no, couldn't get the license. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then Alex is then killed. And then again, like Max Payne, it's like pegged as being the sort of culprit. <laughs> well, so... I, don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> but basically it's just like... There's... I watched the hard to cut. I saw no pegging. <laughs> <laughs> Could you do me a impression of Mark Wahlberg being pegs, please? Now that's what I call it happening. <laughs> oh, God, I, have, I imagined him turning to the camera then and all. <laughs> um, I think just quickly in that scene when he's going through the homicide department, there was a lot of sign action in this film. Did you notice? Like mm. one of the first things we saw was like cold case department, and then we saw a sign saying men. And then we, later on, we see a sign saying homicide. And he's going through the homicide department. We definitely hear a dot matrix printer, despite the fact in the previous scene, he was, someone was absolutely using like a, the latest Apple MacBook. And I'm just like, when and where is this set? <laughs> it's just, um, um... But it's, it's funny, she's like, yeah, all the cops like really hate Matt. And like he sort of storms into like Alex's department to sort of find this you know, evidence which will link everything together. And so it's all these cops in the background just like muttering, just like, oh, I can't believe you shot your face around here. He's, he's basically... Ugh, that asshole. He's basically like the hot dog guy from I Think You Should Leave. <laughs> he's just like loud, thinks he uh, thinks his opinion matters, but yeah, he's a real fucking... I mean, the, it's a rare film where like the cops are not corrupt in this, I don't think. It's just he's just as one asshole bulldozing his way on his own personal mission i sound like a police chief now this is not your own sort of detective agency pain you know you're a real pain in my backside pun not intended i, I guess the character who is most being that is jim bravura who is again in the games but in this instance is played by ludicrous chris bridges mm-hmm. 
as uh, from the Fast and Furious movies, I guess, uh, notably, who works internal affairs. Um, like in The Departed. Yes. Um, <laughs> just like, hey, this is just like The Departed. <laughs> um, but I guess um, other a notable, I'd say, cameo performance from Nelly Furtado, for some reason showing up as the wife of uh, the cop Alex at the wake. Um, she doesn't have an extensive acting career, so I'm not sure why the singer of I'm Like a Bird, I Want to Fly Away. Um, maybe she just really wants to slap Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. That's why she's there. Oh, yeah, no, I remember her now. That seems like... I did like when... when... <laughs> When Mark Wahlberg gets slapped in that scene, there's a bit of ADL where someone goes, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. I felt that was a bit unfair. She slaps him because she says everyone who gets close to Max ends up dead or miserable and all that stuff. But I mean, I watched this movie. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's It sounded like the cop was his partner. Alex was just doing his job. I mean, he's, his job is to do police work. But I think that the idea at the time is that, did Matt kill him? So maybe it's like, that's why it's mm. not great to show up to it's like, his wake. It's like in Jaws when she's telling Max Payne, I heard you kept the beaches open. <laughs> 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 because it's winter, you mad woman. Here's the thing. Okay, so here's the thing. Obviously, like, it, this film... Like the game, there's a lot of snow, but there's also a lot of rain. And like literally in between car journeys, it turns from snow to rain, like fucking Shenmue. Um, but like you'd you'd go and then, like, this is the thing you sort of shouldn't notice when watching an action thriller. <laughs> but like, you'd think, why isn't the snow slushy? Why is it like it just seems to have insta freeze snow? between scenes i don't know i just found it distracting yeah just... i mean weather forecast jeez this this just took me a long time to get through it's an hour and 40 minutes i think it took me about three hours to watch because i kept getting distracted by like cracks in the wall and <laughs> what in your and own home or in the movie? in my in my own home i got like i saw a, I saw a squirrel <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought I'd get a sausage sandwich that took about 10 minutes or... I don't know the the ideal viewing experience yeah as it was meant maximum to be action seen. on blu-ray plus we'll deliver a squirrel outside your window <laughs> while you're watching actually speaking about the the weather and stuff at the very end of the film when he's pointing his gun um he must have been holding it up a very long time for it to accumulate so much snow <laughs> Just there's this top-down view of like the gun firing and the snow, sort of like you know in slow motion coming off the gun as like the chamber pulls back, and it's just like he must have been holding that up for like five ten minutes. <laughs> I know it's meant yeah. to be a blizzard, but it'll be very windy up there as well. Yeah, it's um, I think it's just distracting, isn't it? These. I mean, I think a lot of it is, again, CGI. I mean, the more I read about the trivia of this film, they kept saying how things like the um, Valkyries were met, was a person in a suit and they tried to use as little CGI green screen as possible. But whatever the case, it all looks CGI. So 
I don't care if you're filming in Toronto in the middle of the night. It looks crap. <laughs> Maybe it's because they had lots of CGI snow. I don't know. But, okay, let's, 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 let's go back to the positive. Ball is in your court, though, Rory. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for throwing me a duff ball. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell. Why, yeah. why is why is why is there, I mean this film needed more Chris O'Donnell if if I'm completely honest. I think yeah, there's there's everyone likes it when like some skis in a suit gets like beaten up and and uh, shown what's what. So I think he was very good at playing someone who'd clearly done some dirty stuff and he thinks he's all kind of slick. But he's also a bit of a wuss, as you would be if someone was, like, smashing your face in. Um, yeah, I kind of like... It's a it's a small role, but I don't know. It was maybe, like, the most... Like, it was one of the few bits where the film kind of came alive was when they're having a bit of a interrogation. Mr. Colvin? You're lying to me. Why? I'm not! <laughs> Mr. Colvin! Tell me what happened to Michelle. I don't know. Mr. Colvin, are you okay? Jackie! Mr. Colvin, it's Jackie. I can't hear you. Are you all right? What was she working on? I don't know. I was it was on, I was in charge of a different project. It was, it was a government contract. What did it have to do with Michelle? Nothing. She was just... <laughs> Can I speak to Bibi, please? Yeah. Bibi, help! It's Jackie. Jason's in trouble. What? Well, should I call your guys? No, no, no. I'll call. Hurry, please. It was a military operation. It was something to make soldiers more aggressive in combat. It was a disaster. It only worked on one percent. Made them invincible. All right. The rest suffered horrible hallucinations, devils, demons. It drove them insane. I mean, the effects were uncontrollable. And this stuff was so addictive, we, we couldn't even guarantee the safety of our own scientists. We had to shut it down. The test subjects had said that they'd follow them home and kill them just for an extra dose. Is that what happened to Michelle? No. to her then. Oh, please, Jesus, please. She didn't even know what was coming for her. Mr. Colvin, I called security and they're on their way. I will tell you what happened. You gotta get me out of here, though. Right now. What are you talking about? I will confess to everything, but you gotta That's get me out of here. That's not good enough. You tell me what happened to her, right? She was no. killed because of the drugs. The envelope. Bring it with us. Everything. It's all in there. You gotta protect me from him. Who are you talking about? The man who killed your wife. But but much like how Bo Bridges seemed was playing a seemingly minor role and then became like the big bad, when people like Chris O'Donnell, um, or like Kate Burton from Sex and the City, when they show up, you expect them to have more of a role, but 
Chris O'Donnell has a handful of scenes with um, Kay, who plays the CEO of the Acer Corporation. They just have a few scenes and then they kind of, one gets shot and one, I guess, is saved for the sequel. She <laughs> is. They, you know, because there is a, there is a uh, post-credit sequence where fucking Mark <laughs> Wahlberg and Mina Kunis meet in the bub par a par? It's a cross between a bub a bub <laughs> <laughs> I've just invented yeah, three key between... establishments. Yeah, as you know, it's a cross between a bub and a par. <laughs> they meet in the pube and show each other the newspaper <laughs> and it says Bat child found in cave. No, the other one. Oh, um, Ace is still doing great. Yeah, Ace is still great. They've just started a conglomerate, an umbrella organization of the Umbrella Corporation, and I'm gonna say, what's the name of that company from Tomb Raider? The Trinity. Trinity, and let's keep it rolling. <laughs> the Shang Tsung Air. Shang Tsung Air. <laughs> and Robert Patrick's sort of chocolate factory. <laughs> ah, from Double Decker Dragon. Double Decker Dragon. Oh, see, um, see I guess we really want to talk about this movie. There's like the big, okay, there's the big question actually. Yeah. You have to. I think I read this in a book of movie cliches. It's a rule where you have to ask yourself: Is this film as entertaining as watching the actors gather around a table having lunch? Um, I thought that was going to be a slam dunk, and I was going to say, of course, watching them have lunch would be more interesting than this film. But actually, I I don't think I don't know if Max Payne, not Max Payne, I don't think Mark Wahlberg is a very interesting man to have lunch with. I'd imagine. No, he'd be be looking at your fries. You going to eat those? Well, only if he was ordering a wall burger from oh. his uh, chain of burger restaurants. He's got a burger chain. Yeah. Wall burgers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you, thanks, you, is the name so good you repeated it? <laughs> well, I mean, only if he could squeeze in lunch in between his like cryo freeze um, and prayer mm-hmm. sessions that he has in his yeah. daily schedule. And then like Mila Kunis is there serving Mila shakes. And uh, that's all I got. <laughs> Bo Bridges eating a Bow Burger. Bow Burger. Um, so you're not going to have a wall burger, Bo? You're not going to have a wall burger, Bo? I'm fine. I'm going to have a Bow Burger. <laughs> it's like the caster in the room. <laughs> you're not eating your Kurilenko flakes. <laughs> Um... <laughs> okay, talking about them having lunch is more entertaining for me, at least, than the film. I mean, uh, well, I think I think the 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 film comes alive for about ten minutes towards the end. So, yes, Wahlberg Payne he drags himself out of the icy frozen river, and in order to sort of like revive his heart and get you know stay alive basically uh he pops a couple of 
Valkyrs, um, mm-hmm. which have been deposited on him because BB was going to make him look like oh he was just a junkie and whacked out all along. That, and that's then... if they've been frozen and they'd have to eat them like push pops, <laughs> little popsicles. Um, but then yeah, so he like wakes up and has a big apocalypse hallucination, and it's yes. during this moment where like. You know, it could be forgiven if it didn't have bullet time in this bit. If it just, like, it, like, there's, like, just little slivers of what the film could have been. And I, I, it'd are, be you nice... talking, are you talking about that shot where we have a close-up of Max Payne's eyes, like, wide and crazy in, like, the gun flash of his of his automatic machine guns? Yeah. That, that's, like, or just, great like, him, shot. him, like, you know, spinning around looking completely wild. And it was just, like... You know, this could have then just gone like crank and mm. just like completely gone crazy with it. But I, I think he just basically like walks into this, you know, the pharmaceuticals building, shotguns maybe like three or four people, and then that's it. He has like a breakdown, sees his wife, and then Mila Kunis shows up and ices someone who is just about to kill him. And then that's sort of it. Like this big, like, moment where he should be like leaping around and like delivering all the stuff that you wanted is just like again lost in nightmare hallucinations with mm-hmm. someone you know spaffing the cg budget all over the ceiling um yeah, Rory, and then Rory like looking at the reports of an office shooting that's just is that it <laughs> and then like the most sort of dynamic possible action scene of like Mark Wahlberg shooting Bo Bridges once on a helipad. It's not like, again, like Hitman Agent 47 with a helipad finale, but there's just not nothing sort of to it. There is a bit where, like, you know, uh, Max Payne does get a full shotgun blast to his side, and I was sort of hoping that he'd get up to the helipad and there'd just be, like, bullet holes, like, pouring through him like sunlight or something. I'm good. He's gonna, I'm just going to drink this, this glass of orange juice that's just here on the helipad. <laughs> But that would have been, like, amusing. I mean, like, the fact that Lupino, who's one of the 1% super soldiers, he gets, like, shot once in the chest and falls down. The fact that, you know, Max is, like, super drugged up and no fear, no pain, literally, um, uh, while he's, like, high on this stuff. Like, I think it's, like, oh, he keeps on getting shot, but he, you know, gets back up again kind of stuff. That's, like, something to play with. He shot a lot even before he took the drugs, and he just, just kind of shrugs them off. I mean, there's certain like sort of boilerplate action tropes here, like none of the guards can shoot him. I mean, he's the first big gunfight. He's behind like thin metal filing cabinets, and there's like ten. We learned fake cops, um, yeah, machine gunning him, and like they can't hit nothing. But you kind like, of you kind of take that as is. That's like you know, access to sever and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like the Acer CEO basically leaves BB out to dry, but uh, like BB's accomplice sort of like gets some C four, sets it up, blows up the floor of the office building. I guess to destroy evidence slash mats. But it's just one of those things where it's like. Uh, I guess we'll just have an explosion now. Okay. Doesn't I mean, really it... have any impact beyond, you know, who gives a shit about glass? Here's the thing. In, in my house, I have a smoke grenade. I've had it in my house for about eight years now. 
because there's never a time to use a smoke grenade. Why I'm do you sure... have a smoke grenade? You know what? I can't remember. I think it came off a film shoot, which and we never needed to use it. But like, I'm half expecting one day it just goes off for some reason. <laughs> but I'm imagining if you have like some C4 explosives in your desk at work, you, you're going to want to use it one day. It'd be a shame not to use it. And you might as well use it when Max Payne's coming to kill you. He's not going to let you use it once he's caught you. <laughs> I'm just going to look into this drawer. Just I'm just little, setting this timer. <laughs> just a little C4. Just a, just a little C4. C4. A tiny, like an... a little tiny bit of C4. <laughs> <laughs> it's like indoor fireworks. I've got indoor C4. Mm. Just light it and I'll, a little a, like ashen snake will come out. <laughs> I was picturing a literal snake then, but uh, I know what you're talking about now. So, I mean, I've written here, I mean, this is so like, although, although the film, sorry, although the game has loads of slow motion gunfights, there's only three in this film. I think I wrote here, like, finally some slow mo Max Payne action. And then my next comment is too slow. <laughs> you can't you can't please some people i'm i'm surprised i'm surprised that this film pleased anyone yeah i mean you mentioned earlier that you don't think it's bad i kind of agree but at the same time as i mentioned earlier it's a copy of a copy i don't know why you would watch this instead of anything else i guess it's just like a lot of the video game movies you do it's because it's got that name recognition value if you like the games there's probably something here for you i mean the fact that the film like opened number one at the u.s box office so that suggests there's enough like name recognition Mm. i mean i think it then tailed off pretty quickly but you know it, it was financially fairly successful i think it had a 35 million dollar budget and made 85 million dollars worldwide so you know sort of made its money back in that respect but yeah obviously no sequel came about yeah i mean actually once he kills Bo bridges because <laughs> i'm assuming he's called bb because he's actually bro bridges <laughs> but, but when he kills Bo bridges that's when the drug wears off and he he actually starts to die and he has this oh side note the few times we see mark Wahlberg happy in flashbacks as a happy dad i found it hilarious he's so fucking goofy (laughs) he's like looking at pictures on like the fridge or maybe it's the door of his baby's room and we know it's the baby's room because there's a sign saying baby on it (laughs) um Anyway, he rejoins him in sort of the heaven space. And again, his wife says, not yet. And I feel like if this was not based on the video game franchise, if this, and if they weren't always eyeing up a sequel, this would have been the perfect place for him, for the film to end, where he's found peace. He's, his life's mission has been to avenge the murder of his family. But for like no reason at all, the wife says, no, not yet. Maybe she's like making out with some yeah hot angels. Yeah, yeah. I'm having some amazing angel sex right now, <laughs> and, uh, and um, and they they are all up for pegging. <laughs> so she does angel angel pegs. 
Anyway, um, so yeah, I guess, you know, there just seemed to be no reason for the film, for him to be alive other than to have a sequel, which will not happen. So, <laughs> I think we can kind of wrap this up. I'm just having a quick look. Yeah, I, I don't really have any more final thoughts. It's just, a, sadly, um, it's just another middle-of-the-road kind of pointless action movie. I would recommend you go watch Hard Boiled or Sin City or kind of any of the other influences of this film or games. Yeah, I... I, 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 I it's not one of the... It's not one of the worst films that we've done, but I think it's definitely kind of bottom of the barrel in the sense that I just, there's just nothing to like hang anything on like this, this movie. Like I said, there's been like far, far worse movies and far, far more boring movies. But I think even like the sort of the lights of Hitman Agent 47 or, um, Ballistic X versus Sever, even there's like something more tangible to hold on to with, with, you know, widely considered disappointing action fare. But this, there's like, there's like nothing. It's empty calories. <laughs> yeah. You can't wait an hour until you get like any sort of decent action in this sort of a film. I'm afraid. Better luck next time, Max. <laughs> um, and well, speaking of next time, um, in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with games on film? You can find more information about the podcast and video game movies on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod, where we post, particularly on Twitter, follow us there and retweet news about upcoming video game movies, as well as general bits of nonsense about the show. I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And you can also contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts, so please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, thank you very much, as always, for listening. Um, so I've not been much of a fan of this film, and the last film was Silent Hill. Wasn't much of a fan of that. Here's hoping next time I'm given a reason to keep doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and for you to keep listening. For you to keep listening. Uh, always a pleasure to chat video game movies. I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.